Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. He's had an amazing career. You know, his legacy is one of so many wins and so many accomplishments. And I've been a fan of his for a long time and enjoy the few times we've gotten to play. I remember when uh, I heard the news about him coming to the NFC, I thought this was a real possibility. And I'm excited about the opportunity to play against him one more time. Aaron Rodgers getting ready to face Tom Brady. You know, Peter, for a while we thought we would see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady cross paths in a Super Bowl that almost happened six years ago today. At least that's when the Packers would have punched their ticket. That's when they blew that huge lead in Seattle, and it was Russell Wilson versus Tom Brady in Super Bowl 49. I'll take it in the NFC Championship game. We'd prefer it in the Super Bowl. (laughs) We'll take it in the NFC Championship game. Two great legacies, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. What more could you ask for in a conference championship game? Oh, wait, we've got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the two best quarterbacks right now in the NFL, on the front end of their careers and the two best of all time on the back end of their careers. I don't think people really appreciate how special this day is going to be. I totally agree, Mike. I mean, you know, first of all, we're talking about two of the best 10 quarterbacks who ever lived our meeting. And it's one thing to say when the history books look at this, they'll say two quarterbacks combined age of 80. How great can it be? But what I would counter by saying is that you tell me how many better years has Aaron Rodgers had in his life than this one. And you know what it is? Big goose egg. How many better years has Tom Brady had than this one? One. So you're looking at two guys who, even though, you know, they average 40 years old, are in their primes. And, you know, no one can believe that. No one will believe that years from now. But just as Aaron Rodgers is maybe the smartest person in the National Football League, and I don't mean just about football. I mean, Alex Trebek-like smart. And just as Tom Brady is the smartest person in the NFL about whatever he puts into his body, okay? These are two guys who have figured out how to be great at an advancing age, and they both still are. I agree with you. It's amazing, Mike. This is the preliminary game. (laughs) This is the first game. And, uh, you know, normally you would say, oh, my God, put that where it'll get the maximum crowd. I think this will be one of the great ratings in NFL history for that first, uh, you know, conference championship game. Well, and these two games, Peter, give the best evidence for what I've been clamoring for for the past few years, which is Sunday night, Monday night conference championship games. Put them both in prime time. You've got 13 days for the team that wins on Monday night to get ready for the Super Bowl. You can't say there's a disadvantage to that. You don't have to play both of those games the same day. But that that and maybe this is the moment between that and all the flexibility that's been cooked into the schedule this year due to the COVID pandemic. 
maybe the NFL finally realizes these games don't have to be back-to-back anymore. We can do Sunday night, Monday night, and the numbers would be even more astronomical, especially with these two games. Mike, you know, I think you're going to see three new things in the next television contract after the negotiations are done. I think it'll probably be this offseason when the negotiations get done. Maybe even one of them gets done before then, but I think you're going to see three new things. Number one, a lot of the mega cast ideas and like the Nickelodeon idea, you got two million people watching that one playoff game on Nickelodeon. Not a very good game, really, but watching that playoff game on Nickelodeon, Saints-Bears, that's going to be part of it. Number two, I believe that there will be a Monday night wild card game in the next uh, in the next TV contract. And number three, just like you said, whether it be you know Sunday Monday, I think both of those games in the next TV contract at some point will be in prime time. So the game that does start us off on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, excuse me, the Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got together. In week six, just like the Bills and Chiefs got together in week six, 10 nothing Packers, like the Buccaneers had done for much of the season, fell behind, but then the Buccaneers blew the doors off of the Green Bay Packers. And one of the reasons they did it, Peter, the blitz, the relentless pressure on Aaron Rodgers, they were able to get to him unlike any other team could all year. And I think for me, especially playing this game in Green Bay, in the cold, and they can talk about how the cold's not an issue. You can talk about all you want how the cold's not an issue until you step out into the cold and realize it's an issue. But the Bucks are going to need to replicate that defensive performance if they're going to have a shot at holding Aaron Rodgers and company in check. Here's the funny thing about that last game. I look back at it this week, Mike, and, you know, it's amazing. The Packers go up 10 to nothing early. And it really looks like it's going to be a mismatch for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then Rodgers throws the interception to Jamel Dean. Dean returns it for the touchdown. And all of a sudden, the onslaught is on. I think that over the course of the year, we have seen that Tampa can be a momentum defense. You saw it in that game. You saw it a little bit on Sunday against Drew Brees and the Saints. And that is what Aaron Rodgers, I believe, has been studying this week. And it's not just, oh, don't make the big mistake. No, duh. But it is, don't give that defense an opportunity to get rolling. So I think it's going to be kind of a big day for a lot of the play-action passes, a lot of the Robert Tunyon stuff. And, and just, if, if necessary, control the clock. And instead of trying to beat the Tampa defense with the big strikes, you know, just take little chunks at a time so that defensive pressure doesn't ruin the Green Bay game plan. And you made a great point about the Buccaneers being a momentum defense because really it was right on the brink of the Saints beginning the process of pulling away. They're up seven. Jared Cook catches the pass, crosses midfield, and all of a sudden, lightning strikes. Antoine Winfield rips the ball out. Devin White Play of the scoops game. it up very cleanly. We've seen so many defensive players try to get a ball in those situations. They kick it all over the place. They don't know what they're doing, and eventually the offense recovers it. It was a thing of beauty, and that turned everything. And then the defense after that just continued to get better and better. White had the interception of Alvin Kamara. There's a great video floating around. Breeze, as soon as he let go of the ball, yelled for Alvin. He knew he'd messed up and threw the ball before Alvin Kamara was ready for it. That was the dagger, really, and uh, that's the key. You have to, if you're Aaron Rodgers, keep the Buccaneers from having that moment where all of a sudden they, they, they believe their defense is going to take over the game. And, and we saw the Saints hold it in check for, you know, two quarters and, and into the third, but it can turn quickly. And I, don't, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Rodgers can't give them that opening to have that defense turn it on like they did in the second half against the Saints. Yeah, and, and Mike, the one other thing you just said, here, here's why when I think of the importance, we talked about Ted Thompson a minute ago. Now let's talk for a second about the player acquisition of Jason Light and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
look at the biggest play in the game. As Bruce Arians told me after the game, Arians said that was the play of the game, the one you described. Antoine Winfield, draft choice this season, knocks the ball out. Devin White, you know, fifth overall pick last season, recovers it, advances it 20 yards or whatever, and that starts the, the, the turning of the momentum of the game. Don't forget the contributions that the player acquisition people, as Arians told me after this game, he goes, when's Jason Light going to get the credit he deserves for this team? Not only here, but in putting the receiving group together at all, at basically all fairly reasonable prices. And so I think right now that's a time to appreciate that and to know that both of these teams have been put in, uh, put in good position to compete on Sunday from the player acquisition sides of their buildings. Uh, it, you know, we haven't even mentioned Light and Arians recruiting and signing Tom Brady. Well, and the team that Light put together made it easier to get Tom Brady to pick that team. He's looking to go to a place where the deck is stacked. Right. You start looking at all the rosters. You look at who needs quarterbacks. And that was the no-brainer screaming out at him with all those pass catchers, with a defense that was underrated and and overmatched last year when you have a starting quarterback who throws 30 interceptions in Jameis Winston. They, they were still 7-7, seven and seven, as you've pointed out before, going into the final two games with Jameis Winston having so many turnovers last year and and uh yeah, yeah, look it, it 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 took a while for them to hit their stride but they've hit their stride and and I know it's not going to be easy to win in Green Bay but this Buccaneers team right now and and it kind of you know mid-season we saw flashes after this game week six against the Packers it's like you know they could end up being pretty good we never really knew who the best team in the NFC was and we'll officially find out on Sunday but the Buccaneers have a very very good chance uh to pull this one off because Peter, it's, you know, Tom Brady, I think brings to the sideline, to the locker room, to the field. You know, when, when you are living history, the true living legend, how does that not inspire the other guys on the team to reach his level or at least try to reach his level and, and collectively become better than what they individually would be. I think having a guy like Brady around, especially for guys who aren't used to it, the Packers players are used to Aaron Rodgers. This is still new for the Buccaneers players. And I think that's a huge, huge factor in, in giving the Bucs the lift that they, that they need to possibly pull this off. Mike, in my column on Monday, I wrote about uh, Devin White because I thought he was the key to that game. And uh, when I was talking to him after the game, one of the things that he said was, hey, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was really bummed out. I didn't make the Pro Bowl. And, you know, I told Brady and Brady said to me, hey, D, D, come on. It's the Pro Bowl. We're playing for a bigger bowl than that. And <laughs> it just, White basically, White basically said to me in so many words, that was a wake up call. And, you know, let's think about what's important. When you're 22 years old and you're coming in, which is what Devin White is, it's amazing. He's finished his second year in the NFL and he's 22. But things like the Pro Bowl are important. You soon realize that the Pro Bowl does not amount to a hill of beans. It's absolutely meaningless other than in contract clauses. But, you know, he wanted to make the Pro Bowl. That was a big thing to him. And Brady just said, hey, listen, think about what's important, please. And you know what? There's another element to this as well, Peter. And, and I was talking to somebody recently, and, and I, I can't name names, but there's a thought gurgling around the league that the modern player, you know, it used to be football was one of your top three. Faith, family, football, in whatever order you choose. For a lot of the guys now in the NFL, especially the younger guys, the guys under 30, the guys under 25, football's not in the top three. And if you have a starting quarterback for whom football, frankly, is number one, a clear number one. You know, maybe maybe it's, it's I don't know, football and family co-number one for Tom Brady. I don't know. I think there are times where it's like family will be there after I the agree game. with we'll you, Mike. My family later, <laughs> right? But, but when you have that guy who is there to influence this group of young guys for whom football may not be in the top three anymore or ever was, 
that football is a means to a different end. That's a powerful thing when you've got that guy who isn't the coach. He's on the field. He's in a helmet. He's part of the effort to win. That has a powerful you – know, your story about Devin White, that's, that's just a, a tangible example of what Tom Brady does. Quit, what do you – who gives a – sorry, I almost said the word – about the Pro Bowl? Who cares? That, but you need a guy like that in your locker room to send that message, and not every team has that, Peter. You know, after the game, when I was talking to Arians, he, he gave Brady tremendous credit for uh, both co- helping him coach a lot of these guys on offense, which I saw firsthand in August, uh, coaching O.J. Howard all through a practice. Um, but the, the other thing that was so notable from Arians is that he basically said, he said, listen, I want Tom Brady to rub off on the guys in this locker room. And one of the ways that Brady does that is that kind of story and, and, and another story that just really sticks in my head. When I talked to him after the uh, comeback against Atlanta and I said something to the effect of, don't you ever want to go out and like have nine beers with your buddies? And he goes, Peter, I've done that. You know, I've done that and it's fun. And maybe one day I'll do it again. But right now, this is fun. And trying to, you know, make my body basically perfect so that I can do this for as long as I can, that to me is fun. And so that is the kind of stuff that Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to want to hear, that Jamel Dean is going to want to hear, that uh, Mike Evans doesn't, want, doesn't have to hear it because he knows. But, you know, young guys, Scotty Miller, Ronald Jones, you know, these are guys who Tom Brady is going to be influencing for the rest of their time in football, no matter how long Brady plays for the Bucks. Somewhere between one and nine, the beers would stop being fun for me. Nine would not be fun. <laughs> nine, <laughs> beyond, beyond the endless trips to the men's room, nine beers would not be fun. Um, okay, so uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, this is a guy whose legacy is on the line. One Super Bowl appearance in his career. It has felt incomplete. It has felt like a partial failure. Yes, he's got the one. He's got the win. He's got the Super Bowl MVP. Brett Favre was never a Super Bowl MVP. But, but... What does the future hold? Let's play a little Aaron Rodgers from earlier this week, shedding some light or not on where things go from here for him, win or lose, Super Bowl or not. Here's Aaron Rodgers. I'm always just trying to stay present, especially this year as much as anything, and just uh, enjoy the moments. And and, uh, I hope there's more opportunities, but I don't know. I mean, I really don't. And that's stuff that's out of my control. I mean, my future – is a, a beautiful mystery, I think. You know, it's become more of a beautiful mystery now than before. Before, he was very resolute and he was very determined and want to play past 40, want to stay with the Packers. And I think the Jordan Love draft pick, and I, I give Mark Murphy some credit for doing some high-level button pushing and lever manipulation to get Aaron Rodgers into this sweet spot that he's been in all year where he is focused on the present. He is trying to get the most out of this season. He's not thinking about the future. I I just, I can't, look, they didn't just haphazardly draft Jordan Love. They did it because on one hand, they're trying to think about the future. But on the other hand, to the extent that it gooses Aaron Rodgers in the present, so be it. And it has in a positive way. You know, we thought he was going to be salty and angry and upset. He found a way to just kind of embrace where he is, who he is, what he's doing. And I think that comes through. I'm not thinking about the future anymore. I'm thinking about right now. And maybe that's what you need to get yourself to the point where you get back to a Super Bowl and win another one, Peter. And, you know, look, I think when this, the story of this season in Green Bay is written, regardless of what happens, uh, and I understand when everybody says, oh, there's only one, team that really has a great season. To me, the Green Bay Packers getting back to the NFC Championship game, back to the Final Four again for the second straight time under Matt LaFleur, this team being 28-7 and seven over the last 35 games, when in the, last thir- the previous 35 games, they were 15-19-1. I mean, this is a great accomplishment. This team is on the right path whatever the score of the game and the result is on Sunday. And to me, to emphasize that, Mike, 
I think you have seen a more zen Aaron Rodgers than you've ever seen in your life. And, and you know, he's not, he's not mad at the world sometimes. He doesn't like kind of quietly lash out at, at his critics. Okay, and, and the other day, I talked to Brandon Staley and I congratulated him on getting the job and, and we went back and I talked to him about what happened after the game. He had 30 seconds on the field, 20 seconds on the field with Aaron Rodgers after the game. And, you know, just talking about uh, how, you know, their futures together and Rodgers thought he was going to be playing them for a long time, but now who knows? And, and the one thing that Brandon Staley said is he said that this guy is playing quarterback at a perfect level and look at how happy he is. Look at how content he is. And it's just a totally different Aaron Rodgers. That's not going away. That will last into 21 and 22. And as I've said, Mike, I believe that, uh, that the quarterback, Jordan Love, who was drafted to be Aaron Rodgers' heir, will instead be Aaron Rodgers' Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, that the Packers will end up trading Jordan Love. Because look, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers breaking down in two years? I can't. And I I think he's got, if he wants it, he's got several years left. He was about the same age when uh, Tom Brady saw Jimmy Garoppolo show up. And even though Garoppolo was a second round pick, it had that same effect. The Patriots hadn't hadn't won a Super Bowl in, in 10 years. And they won three promptly after the arrival of Garoppolo and then Garoppolo ends up in San Francisco. So that may be exactly what at some level it was calculated to do for Aaron Rodgers because we have seen a higher level from him. We've seen an incredibly high level from the two quarterbacks in the AFC championship, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Peter, one of the things that Sims and I have been talking about this week, there are people around the league who are starting to think that maybe Allen is every bit as good as Mahomes, that there's no gap there, and that when you see him live, there is an element to Josh Allen that doesn't come across on film, doesn't come across on TV. It's the size, it's the speed, it's the suddenness, it's the ability to go to the right and throw the ball to the left accurately. And the accuracy has just gone through the roof this year. Um, when you when you consider this one, you know, you've got a Chiefs defense, you've got a Bills defense, maybe the Chiefs are a little bit better, but let's focus on the Chiefs offense, assuming Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Do they... Do they rack up their 30? I mean, that's, you know, you, 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 with the Chiefs, you just kind of shrug. Yeah, they're going to get their 30. Are they going to get their 30 against this Bills defense? Well, here's an interesting point. When you think about Josh Allen and comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, what we have seen is Josh Allen be really great over a regular season. Okay? I'm not minimizing... Uh, how great a quarterback can be, should be, whatever, in a regular season. But one of the reasons why we look at Patrick Mahomes right now, among all the young quarterbacks, to be the king of the hill, is that he was behind by 10 points with eight minutes left in a Super Bowl, having not played very well for the first 52 minutes of this game. And he's down by 10 points, and he brings his team back with three touchdowns in the last eight minutes. And my feeling about this is that part of being a great player is being a great player at the most important moments. And that's why, to me, Josh Allen is going on the road to play the king of the hill on Sunday. And I'm not saying, you know, show us what you got, buddy, and you're going to be a bum if you don't win. I don't mean that. What I mean is that greatness is determined by more than just how you've played against Miami in December. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is the moment where you step up or you don't. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. Now, we've got the concussion that he's dealing with, the toe injury that I think may be worse than their advertising. We'll see. He was clearly bothered by it. Now, he was running through it, but when he wasn't running, he was hobbling. And uh, you just wonder what kind of damage was done over the course of that game um, on on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. But, um, you know, Peter, we've seen it. That's the thing. Mahomes has shown it. Josh Allen hasn't. And what a challenge it is to prove yourself against a guy who became the king of the comebacks last year. And even if you're up 24, yeah. it's not safe. 
So uh, th- that's really what I'm looking for. And the other, the other thing, the Bills were so dominant coming out of their bye week, down the stretch, their final regular season games. They were blowing people off the field. They haven't really been that way. You know, it was a great dominant defensive performance against the Ravens, but they weren't, you know, they haven't been that, that pinball machine offense that we saw in the latter weeks of the regular season. And they're going to need to be that. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you're going to need to score more than 17 or whatever it was, 24, 28, whatever it was against the, the, the Colts. You're going to need to get into the 30s. And we've yet to see that same spark from the Buffalo offense that we were seeing consistently late in the regular season. And when you look at the Chiefs defense, I mean, hey, you know, we, we don't focus on them because it's all Mahomes and the offense, but it's not going to be easy for the Bills to go out and ring up the kind of points they need to overcome the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely right. And, and you know, playoff football should be harder. You're playing better teams. You're, you're, you're going to be in tougher games. And yeah, they, they beat the Ravens the other day, uh, you know, 17 to three. And it was, I thought it was a great performance, obviously by that defense, an opportunistic defense in Buffalo. Uh, but again, this is when an offense that is a high powered offense with, I think, three huge weapons in the receiving core um, and a very, very good quarterback. This is when you have to respond, Mike. And, and, and like I said, like I said, no one on Sunday night, if the Bills lose this game 31 to 14, is going to say, ah, you know, Josh Allen, see, he wasn't that good. I'm not going to think that. I don't care how he plays. Um, I still think he's a top five NFL quarterback without any question. But you and, and I think everybody who watches this game is going to know if Josh Allen can get to that next level because it is the perfect stage to get to the next level. Playing the big bad Chiefs on their turf and no matter what condition he's in, assuming he plays, against you know the reigning clutch great quarterback in the game, Patrick Mahomes, and it's, it's it, listen, he will prove an awful lot by winning this game. Think about where Josh Allen was last year and how much he's improved in yeah. one year. And I think the fact that, that it took him a while to kind of have that spike is what has some people saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, the, the Texans playoff game, though, and the aftermath of that, it's like, man, this guy's got a lot of work to do to get to the elite level. And he did it. He's done it. He's gotten there. And... You know, it's not going to be 51-3 to like when the Bills punched their ticket against the Raiders back in the 90s. It's going to be a fight. This is going to be a huge battle. Whoever wins this game, I was about to say, you know, is really going to be well-equipped to win the next game, but then I realized they're going to be playing the Packers or the Buccaneers. So who the hell knows? But <laughs> but still, this is Josh Allen's moment. This is his opportunity. And uh, let's hear a little bit from Josh Allen regarding the offensive philosophy heading into the AFC Championship Challenge at Kansas City. We're not going to change who we are. Like I said, it's, it's obviously the biggest game, uh, like I said, because it's the next one. But we understand that we don't have to be anyone different than who we are. And uh, if we can go out there and execute and, and play the game the right way and trust each other and play complimentary football, um, you know, all the other results are going to be pretty good. They have they, they lean so heavily though on the pass. They, God, they're going to need a running game. They're going to need, you know, Sims and I were talking yesterday, Peter, about which team may be better off trying to slow the game down and not get into a shootout. And there's an argument to be made that the chiefs maybe are the team that's better off doing that because the Bills offense would be more likely to have that frustration, that angst that they're not getting on the field and they're not able to do what they can do. But I, I just I think they're I think this is one of those games where they're just both sides are going to go all out and try to score as many points as they can. But at some point you're going to need that running game. And that's the big question for for me as it relates to the Buffalo Bills. With Zach Moss out and Devin Singletary kind of uh, and, and they haven't been running Josh Allen as much. Maybe this is the week they finally unleash him as a runner to keep the Chiefs' defense off balance. But they're going to need to find something in the running game. It can't be all pass if they hope to, to outscore the Chiefs. You know, what's so interesting also about the Chiefs' team is, you know, we gave uh, Jason Light a nod, you know, early. But, you know, as well as convincing Tyron Matthew when Andy Reid convinced him to to come to the Chiefs 
and, and Tyron Matthew basically, in a lot of ways, it's, it's so weird how a couple times in his career, and I know money plays a part, but how weird is it to watch Tyron Matthew and how crucial he is to every defense he plays on, and twice he's been a man without a country. It's just, it's just very, very odd that a great player like him, important player on a defense for so many reasons, he's one of the top five leaders in football right now, and that includes every position. You know, and but but also you look at what Brett Veach has done in the draft in recent years, and I bring you Exhibit A this year, Legarius Sneed. Now, look, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people who don't really follow football have never heard of Legarius Sneed. But last week, in my opinion, when I watched that game, I thought he was the most important player on a playoff defense, and he's doing that as a rookie. You know, out of out of you know. Out of all of the players picked in this draft, I don't. He was a middle round pick, like fourth round pick, and he has come in and been a precocious, brave, uh, incredibly adept day one, year one player for this team. And you just watched him against Cleveland play so well, so smart in all all facets of the game, blitzing, covering, and. I just think a guy like him in, in this game is going to have a couple of things up his sleeve for a great receiving core in Buffalo. Well, it will be his opportunity for anyone out there who isn't aware of Legereus Sneed. This is his chance to get millions acquainted with him because millions will be watching the second game of two great conference championship contests to come on Sunday. We're going to take a break. Speed round when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time for today's speed round. Brought to you by Verizon 5G. Built right. Peter King, Mike Florio, working our way through this Friday edition of PFT Live. Let's get into it. For this weekend's games, either game, pick a name. Which receiver must be held in check, Peter? I think Stephon Diggs, more than any single receiver. You might say uh, Devontae Adams, and I would understand that, but the way that, uh, that Aaron Rodgers has spread the ball around recently... I won't say that, but I will say that Stephon Diggs is hugely, hugely important for the Kansas City Chiefs. They know that. I think they're going to try to be physical with him early, try to get him off his game a little bit. Stephon Diggs is my is my guy who's who they have to hold in check to win this game. You know, I went through the same process. Devontae Adams was the first name that came to mind, but then it's like, you can't hold him in check. You just have to accept the fact he's going to get the ball and he's going to get his yards and maybe get a touchdown or two. You have to deal with that. With Diggs, I just feel like if someone fully commits to taking him away, that's the keystone to possibly collapsing the Bills' offense, especially because we've seen over the years Stephon Diggs can get frustrated. He can get 
a little yes. antsy in the game against the Chiefs when they were losing, and they're trying to get the ball down the field, and they're trying to move to the line of scrimmage. He's walking back to the line of scrimmage. You want him to snap a little bit if you're the Chiefs, and you do it with physicality, keep him from getting into his route, keeping him from getting the football, build a lead, he gets frustrated, and then the Bills have that to worry about on top of everything else. That should be the goal for the Chiefs' defense, not just take digs away, but make him frustrated because that could implode the whole offense. Defensive player who will get picked on the most this weekend. Peter, who you got? Um, this was a tough one to choose from because normally you get to this level and you don't have a lot of weak points. But my feeling is what the uh, Green Bay Packers are going to try to do in this game is they're going to try to make Aaron Jones hugely important. And I think what they're going to try to do is run at Jason Pierre-Paul's side of the Tampa defense. Jason Pierre-Paul desperately wants to be a pass rush force in this game. I think they're going to try to be physical against Pierre-Paul and take their chances with running at him. You know, I think that makes a ton of sense because, as Sims and I have been saying, you can't run it outside. Devin White and Levante David are going to gobble you up if you do. And now that Vita Vea, I don't know how healthy he is, and I don't know if this is more of a play for the Super Bowl, not for the conference championship game, but there are going to be limited windows. And if the Green Bay Packers are going to have any success running the football, they got to find a weakness. They got to find an opening, and it may be. JPP trying to get around the edge to to get after Aaron Rodgers that creates an opening to run. And also, if you start running at him, what do you do? You neutralize JPP as uh, as a pass rusher because he's thinking that Aaron Jones is going to be coming right at him or Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon if Dillon's able to play. Which assistant coach has the most important job? In my feeling is Brian Dable, uh, the offensive coordinator of the Bills. Just keep two things in mind. <clears throat> Brian Dable doesn't have a great running game to rely on right now. You know, you know I would say the, th the three other coaches in this game all have a better running game that they can rely on this week than the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. And what that means is, you know, it's second and five now, and Dable mentally might be thinking, well, this is a passing down. You know, it's not necessarily a running down. And so I think Dable has got to get it into the head of his quarterback who, you know, and you just don't know. Maybe he gets shaken if they get behind by 10 early and get it in the head of his quarterback. Okay, okay, let's take small chunks. Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, short stuff, intermediate point of the field. Don't get greedy. Brian Dable has to be disciplined in this game and his offense has to be disciplined. You ever try to start a chainsaw in the cold? I have a feeling Peter King has never tried to start a chainsaw in the cold. Never. Never in my life. Okay. I've never even set, I've never even started a chainsaw, Mike. <laughs> I just chopped down the trees myself with an axe. <laughs> um what 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 the Packer, what the Buccaneers, excuse me, are going to need on Sunday is Todd Bowles to start that defense, which is a chainsaw in the cold, because when you wake them up, they are incredible. And we saw them finally wake up in the second half of the game against the Saints. But it's on Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, to get those guys. And maybe he can get it going right out of the gates. Maybe it's on the first pull that it gets going. But that's the thing. He's got to get his guys throwing caution to the wind, playing with reckless abandon. I think Devin White is basically the cord on the chainsaw because we saw it from him in the first half of the game against the Saints. It just didn't really spread. That's the key, though. If they want to win this game, they have to slip back into that zone that we saw that defense slip into in the second half of the Saints game. That's the only way they're going to crack the code on Aaron Rodgers because he, he's otherwise going to pick them apart and it's going to become a shootout. And I think the Packers win a shootout if it becomes a shootout between Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Which home field advantage will be more impactful on Sunday? I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but obviously Green Bay, and not just because of the cold. This is the first time Aaron Rodgers has ever played a championship game at home. I think that is, it's hugely important to him. And he's not going to, he's not going to freeze up over it, no pun intended. He's going to play as Aaron Rodgers does. And I think that is important. And, and look, 
you'd be stupid not to mention that there's so many guys on that Tampa Bay team um, who are warm weather players from warm weather colleges. And you said it earlier in the show, Mike, you know, don't give me all this stuff about how the cold doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. Once you get that first taste of it, it matters. And everything you try to do to get yourself mentally prepared for it goes away. The other reason I think the Packers have more of a home field advantage, this is only their second game with fans present. And they say there's only 6,500. I I don't know if they're wearing a lot of layers or what. It looks like more than 6,500 people in the stands. And the, the, the I know that the Packers struggled throughout the regular season without having that external source of energy. And I think that gives the Packers another advantage as well. The Chiefs have had their 15,000 all year. They're used to it. For the Packers, it's still new. Should Patriots fans be rooting for the Buccaneers and hashtag Tommy or the Green Bay Packers to keep Tommy from getting to a Super Bowl without the Patriots and Bill Belichick? Personally, I think if you're a real Patriots fan, you're rooting for Tom Brady. Um, because how can you not root for a guy who has given you more sporting joy and maybe more life joy than you've ever had following any sport? So to me, it would be pretty small if you say, well, he doesn't play here anymore, so I hope he loses. I mean, come on. This was a, this was a joint decision, believe me, uh, that Tom Brady isn't there anymore. And so it, it, if I'm a Patriots fan... I'm rooting for Brady to get number seven. I talked to Tom Curran about this earlier in the week. He said that the Patriots fans are split between the Belichick files and the Brady files. And the folks who align with Belichick don't want Brady to win. They don't want Brady to make Belichick look bad. And and I think at a certain level, you can make the argument, even though it is small and petty, it's, you know, people are small and petty and I'm as small and petty as anyone. You don't want to diminish your legacy of six Super Bowls by having your quarterback go win one somewhere else because then you start thinking, well, maybe it was more the quarterback than the coach or the team or the Patriot way. Uh, so I could see plenty of Patriots fans thinking go pack go on Sunday when uh, Tom Brady comes to town. All right, hey, let's take a Mike, break. It's Mike, show- let me just say one thing. Let, let, me say, let me say one thing about that. The world is going to be a better place when we stop asking the following question. So who's more responsible, Brady or Belichick for the Patriots' greatness? I mean, can't we simply accept the fact no matter who we root for, no matter who we love, no matter who, who we hate, can't we just simply accept the fact that some people are better together than apart? And can't I, I we agree. just accept the fact it's a great mystery of sport? You will never know this. You can come up with every argument you want. Belichick's under 500 without Brady. Brady is this. Belichick is that. Whatever, whatever you come up with, I don't care. I appreciate the fact that In my 37-year career covering the National Football League, I got to cover one of the best sports teams of all time, the New England Patriots. And you know what? They had one of the greatest coaches of all time, and they had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And let's just not try to say, oh, well, Belichick's better than Brady. I don't care. See, if I were a real smartass, this is the point where I would ask you, who's more responsible for the Patriots Super Bowl success, Brady or Belichick, (laughs) but I won't let's take a break. I would say Gerard Mayo. (laughs) Show me something draft coming up next here on BFT live. Pro football talk is brought to you by Verizon 5G built, right? Hey Rob, you and Tom just barely missed on a couple of big pass plays down the field. What did Tom have to say about that? And you guys working in practice this week to try and get that corrected for this week? Yeah, he told me I was running too slow. So that's why the ball was overthrown. And I I told him that, you know, he's just he's just gotta stop working out because his arm's just too strong and, and he can't read my speed. Gronk still does look at times like he's running in mud in comparison to the explosion we've seen in the past, but he's still Gronk, and he's one of the many weapons available to Tom Brady. All right, it's show me something time, conference championship weekend draft. Peter, you get the first pick. Show me something, Josh Allen. And as I have said 48 times in this show so far, I don't mean win the game. What I mean is show me the presence. 
show me uh, the arm, show me making plays on the run in the biggest game of your football career. This is when you make your uh, mark as one of the great quarterbacks in the game. You've got to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes on his turf. Show me something, Josh Allen. I'm going to go show me something, Aaron Jones. He had a good performance last week against the L.A. Rams, 14 carries for 99 yards, added 14 more in the passing game. They need him to, to move the chains, have that presence in the running game, take some steam out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. You know, point you were making earlier about you don't want them to seize momentum. One way to do it is just demoralize them. We saw what happened to the Packers last year in the conference championship game when they were repeatedly demoralized by that San Francisco running attack. The Packers don't quite need that, but they need Aaron Jones to step up. And and he's hitting free agency in March. He's got every reason to have a big game. All right, round two. Show me something, Alan Lazard, Green Bay wide receiver. I just have this feeling in this game that Todd Bowles and the Tampa defense are really going to try to take uh, Devontae Adams, not take him out of the game, but really concentrate a lot of attention on him so that he doesn't ruin this game along with Aaron Rodgers. Alan Lazard showed last week that he can beat a defense over the top. He beat him on a long touchdown pass after dropping one earlier. I think Aaron Rodgers looks for Alan Lazard a lot on Sunday. Show me something. You undrafted Iowa State, what are they, the Cardinals? Whatever they are. Show me something, you Iowa Stater, Alan Lazard. Cyclone. 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 Sorry. Got the first letter right. That's all that matters. First and the last letter right, by the way. Um, next one for me, and show me something, Dominican Sue. You know, we saw him in the postseason run for the Rams reach a higher level, right? Um, this is a guy who's chasing what would be his first Super Bowl championship. And, and he's still – I mean, he's st- his arm's still, you know, as big as my torso. I mean, the guy's still big and strong, and there's that history with Aaron Rodgers. And I just think if he can unleash that, that force that we saw from him years ago, if he can get it together for one day, um, that's going to be a huge difference maker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I don't know how much is left in the tank for Sue, but this is a great opportunity for him to step up one day, one game, one moment, and, uh, and help deliver a Super Bowl berth to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Peter. Show me something, Jair Alexander. Mike, this was uh, a guy who I almost put on my NFL All-Pro team uh, when I voted a couple of weeks ago. He's had a tremendous season. And in my opinion, he's going to have chances to make plays against a very good receiving core and one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the playoffs, the Greatest quarterback. Won more games than anybody in the playoffs in Tom Brady. I think Jair Alexander needs to bring it on Sunday, needs to make a couple of big plays against Tom Brady to make sure that that Tampa offense doesn't score in the high 20s or 30s and come into Lambeau and steal a win. My my next pick isn't show me something. It's show me anything, Le'Veon Bell. Whatever happened... To Le'Veon Bell. Last week, two carries, six yards, three targets, no catches. Uh, Look, not that long ago, this guy was the premier running back in the NFL. This is his chance to get to the Super Bowl. This is his chance to prove everyone wrong. The Steelers, the Jets, and any other doubters. And yeah, first you got to get on the field. First you got to win the trust of the coaching staff. But show me anything, Le'Veon Bell, because he could be a difference maker in this game for the Chiefs if he can get himself back to being what he was, Peter, uh, not all that long ago. I think the time for show me something for Le'Veon Bell is over. So I'll finish mine, Mike, with show me something, Daryl Williams, because I think he's going to get the most carries out of the backfield for Kansas City this week. And look, Andy Reid has shown himself in his history in Kansas City and going back to Philadelphia. He's an equal opportunity user of players. And if he doesn't see that explosion or that greatness out of Le'Veon Bell, which he hasn't seen, I doubt he's going to give him 45 snaps on Sunday. I think Darrell Williams gets the most carries on Sunday. 
So, hey, Darren Williams, show us all something. I'll stay at that same position and in that same game, show me something. Devin Singletary with Zach Moss out. The running game for the Bills struggles even more. Seven carries for 25 yards in the win over the Ravens are going to need more than that if they if they want to have balance in their offense, if that Chiefs defense is able to take away a guy like Stephon Diggs and otherwise slow down the passing game, they need something more from the running game, and that has not been a strong suit of the Bills all year long. All right, let's take a break. When we return, our picks for the weekend and uh, whatever else we can cram in to the time that we have remaining. More PFT Live right after this. Hello, gang. David Wallace here from the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company with a special two-part message for the Buffalo Bills, Bills fans around the globe, and the great city of Buffalo. First, I made a mistake a number of years ago when I shut down the Dunder Mifflin Buffalo branch, and I am sorry, very sorry, (laughs) and I'm doing everything I can to reopen it as soon as possible. Second, not everyone at Dunder Mifflin's a Bills fan like me. Todd Packer, he's a lifelong Chiefs fan. Kevin Malone, a diehard Packers fan, and of course, Florida Stanley Hudson loves his Buccaneers. But I love the Bills, baby. Our hopefully soon to reopen Buffalo branch. We'll be cheering for you. We'll be rooting for you. Good luck. Have a great game. Go Bills! David Wallace, check out The Office on Peacock, where it streams exclusively. Now that is the way to use social media right there, baby. (laughs) Absolutely. 22,000 fans will be in attendance for Super Bowl 45. The NFL announcing that this morning. 7,500 tickets will go to healthcare workers for free. Great move by the NFL. All right, Peter, who do you like this weekend? I like both home teams. Going to be lazy, going to be Vegas-oriented. I like Kansas City because I think Patrick Mahomes has shown that he's at his best when the stakes are highest. And I like Aaron Rodgers because I just think he's playing so damn well. I like the Chiefs. And, Peter, look, when I threw a reckless dart back in September, I picked the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, so I got to pick them to get there. That's my high-level analysis. That's why you watch this show. Bucks, Chiefs for me. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.